0: My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and uh, I'm excited to be with you as we're in week two of our series. Uh, as we're going to be going through the book of Galatians, right? Galatians six chapters. We're going to be uh, taking a look at each specific chapter, and we're in week two of that series. Uh, before we jump in, I, I do want to point your attention to something that we uh, have here available uh, at Alpine Church. It's our PursueGod.org library. You may have heard us uh, share about this. But we would encourage you, uh, as we go through the book of Galatians, uh, you can go to this website that's going to show up on the screen here, uh, PursueGod.org forward slash. Galatians, and what you will see there is uh, basically uh, what we're teaching about, and it gives you the ability to continue the conversation. We, we believe that church is more than just a, a 25, 30-minute message on Sunday. Uh, we believe that it, it's every part of our lives, right? And so we want to encourage you to uh, have uh, continue the conversation. Maybe it's uh, in a, a small group or in a mentoring relationship or maybe with the spouse or with your kids. Uh, so if you want to jump on and join with us as we're going through the book of Galatians, please feel free to do that. Uh, also, we have all kinds of uh, different kinds of topics and resources. Uh, if you just go to PursueGod.org uh, forward slash AC, I mean, you guys, you can have tons and tons and tons of meaningful conversations. Uh, So we're going to be again in Galatians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can open up there. We're going to spend a good portion of our time there. We're also going to be jumping in the book of Acts. Uh, But before we jump into Galatians chapter 2, let's uh, kind of set the historical context of where we pick up the story in Galatians chapter 2, right? Shortly after uh, Jesus' life, his death, uh, in his resurrection, we see that he reveals himself to his disciples. We can read about that in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus promises his disciples that he's going to use them to be the mouthpiece on how people can be made right in their relationship with God. Uh, He says that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. uh, The Spirit will come upon them and it will empower them uh, to then go out and be the mouthpiece of this message of God. Uh, so we see in Acts chapter 2, the, the promised Holy Spirit comes just as Jesus promised the power of the Holy Spirit would come. It does in Acts chapter 2, uh, as some of uh, Jesus' followers are praying, the Spirit comes upon them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then empowers them to speak of this new message. We see uh, one guy specifically, uh, the uh, Apostle Peter. He is proclaiming this new message. He's proclaiming uh, that in order to be made right with God, uh, we have to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and that we need to repent of our sins. And it says, as the Holy Spirit is empowering him, that 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus that day. And that really is the start of the church. And so if we fast forward, as the church continues to grow in in Acts chapter 2, uh, we come to right around Acts chapter 8 where we meet this guy named Saul. Saul later becomes the Apostle Paul. But Saul was a very legalistic Jew. So he was a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was the highest sect of Judaism, and so he was very pious and very religious. In fact, he was so much so that his number one goal in life was to stop this new move of Jesus Christ followers, and so Paul is actually out persecuting. Uh, at sometimes he is uh, sentencing them to death, and so his number one kind of goal is to stop this movement. And you see what we see is that God has a different plan for Saul. God reveals himself to Saul. Many of you know the story in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. God reveals himself to Paul. Uh, there's this miraculous thing that happens. He becomes blind. And God says, Paul, I'm going to use you to further, uh, further advance this message. So the message that, you are, uh, that you're going against, I'm actually going to use you, Saul, And I'm going to change you to Paul, and I'm going to use you to spread this message. We know that the Apostle Paul, he did that. There was life change. And it goes on to say that he then goes on uh, some missionary journeys. So the, the same guy who was attacking and killing these new Christ followers, he now becomes one of the first Christian missionaries. It says that he's out advancing this movement. Uh, He's on these missionary journeys. You can read about them starting in Acts chapter 13 all the way to the end of the book of Acts. And it says that he is out telling people about this new way. And people are coming uh, to salvation. Around this time, there's this, this sect of Jews that are called Judaizers. And so they believe in Jesus, but they're also saying that there is something else that you have to do. It's Jesus Plus circumcision, Jesus plus following the law of Moses, Jesus plus observing the Torah and doing the kosher laws. And so they're saying that, yes, you can have a relationship with Jesus, but that's just not enough. There is more to that. And you see, Paul Paul says, well, wait a minute, that's not at all the message of the gospel. And so uh, he, Paul is saying that this isn't just something that we're going to debate over, Uh, This isn't a doctrine in in the church that we're going to even decide for. He says that this is the to-die-for foundation of our church. And so Paul goes on to say, listen, uh, this is all about Jesus. Salvation is Jesus, our faith in him, plus nothing. Grace alone through our faith alone. And so, what we see here are these two uh, kind of different, uh, uh, the different belief systems, really. And Paul is saying that this is what God has revealed to us. Now he says uh, in Acts, or I'm sorry, in Galatians chapter one, he says that this message that he received isn't from human afterthought; it was a divine message. And so, what he is saying is that when God speaks, that is the final authority. And so here we have Paul who is fighting for this. He's saying that this is a to-die-for issue. And what we're going to see today is two key meetings, two meetings that Paul has, one with church leadership that says, listen, we are going to draw a line in the sand. This is the core foundation of our church. And so he has this meeting with the church elders, and then we're going to see a personal meeting where Paul has to call out one of the church leaders uh, on his own. And so before we jump in, why don't we ask God to again speak to us through his word today. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you that your word is living, uh, that it's active. We thank you that it penetrates our heart and our mind. Uh, God, it, it, it's useful to correct us and to uh, point us on the path to follow after you. God, thank you for your word, your authority, your standard. And God, may we glean from it today its life-giving power. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So with that historical context, let's jump into uh, really that first meeting or the first point today, and it's this. The early church uh, met in Jerusalem, not actually in Galatia, they met in Jerusalem to formalize the essence of the Christian message. So they met in Jerusalem to say, okay, this, this new movement of God is starting, and it's growing rapidly, and it's continuing to progress, and there's these differing opinions that are coming in. We have to be unified. This is the doctrine of the Christian faith. And so we read about this very first meeting, or this leadership meeting, it's, it's known as the First Council of Jerusalem, and you can read with me about it in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 4. It says, when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul welcomed, were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles And the elders. And so here we see the the formation of this leadership structure, and they're setting up the formation of the church. And it says that Paul and Barnabas reported everything that God had done through them. And so here you have Paul and Barnabas, they're coming into this meeting, and they're saying, Look, all of these amazing things are happening. The movement of Christ is, is growing. People, they're having their lives changed. They're being transformed. The number is growing. And it's, they're basically giving a praise report of what God's doing. And listen, there's these Judaizers, right? We learned about them last week. Listen to them. They're, they're hearing this message and what's going on. And it says this. It says, but then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees, those Judaizers, they stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. You see, Paul and Barnabas are saying, hey, here's this new message. This new message is that the, the way to be in relationship with God isn't just through the Jewish line. It's for everybody. It's for Gentiles as well. And so uh, Paul's saying, like, this is for everyone. And, and these Judaizers are saying, well, listen, oh, that's fine. We will invite them in. But it's Jesus plus circumcision it's jesus plus works it's jesus plus all of these things and paul is saying wait that's not at all right i'm going to pull up the slide so you can see the two differing opinions on the on the the left you have these judaizers right who have this works-based faith it's basically them saying yes jesus is a part of this but we also have to add to it we have to do certain things Right, we have to, to follow all of these rules, and, and in order to be made right in God's eyes, we have to go with our history and our heritage. This is what we've grown up doing, and this is how we are made right with God. This is a works based faith. And Paul said, No, Paul, who was a Jew himself, a, a very religious one, mind you, he, he was the, 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 the highest of elitists in this faith. Paul says that faith in Christ alone is the only way to be in relationship with God. And so here you have these these two different kind of ideas and these two things that are being uh, pushed up against each other and people are being confused. And Paul says, listen, this message is not just something that that we can just debate about. He's saying that this is the to-die-for doctrine, the to-die-for belief system in our faith. And so this message was so important for the church Paul is speaking to the Galatians now who are being impacted by these Judaizers. And he says this in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I went there. I went to this this meeting, to the first council of Jerusalem, because God revealed to me that I should go. In Galatians 2. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church, and I shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. He says, I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all of my efforts had been wasted, and I was running the race for nothing. You see, according, uh, according to Paul, the gospel was a to-die-for issue. And what he was saying is that, hey, there's, there's these differing belief systems, and it's causing a division in the church. It's causing people to be led astray. It's going against the move of God. And so I need to bring us all together and to remind us of what God was teaching to remind us of what Jesus said that we needed to do. And you see, they were stuck, they were stuck in this idea that they had to do something else. And Paul said that salvation only comes from a relationship with Jesus and nothing else. You see, sadly, this was a a very uh, divisive issue. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was taking a lot of heat because of this. You see, these Judaizers were saying, saying, Paul, you're watering down the gospel. That's too easy. You don't think God doesn't deserve our best? You don't don't think that our heritage and the way that we were raised and following the rules and the laws and the regulations, are you saying that those aren't valuable? Paul, like what you're doing is is you're giving it away freely to anyone and to everyone. And, And Paul was standing up. In the face of opposition, he was standing up as people were coming at him because the message of God was clear. That salvation comes in Jesus alone and nothing else. And you see, with God's grace and Paul's willingness to stand up for the true gospel, to stand up for what was right, we see that the integrity of the gospel message was saved Paul was willing to go in front of church leadership. Paul was willing to go and say, listen, God gave us this message. We cannot make it about human understanding. It's a divine, divine appointment. Paul says this is what we will die for as a church. And so at the end of the council, we read about it, and you can go back and read in Acts chapter 15, but in verse 7, it says, Peter Peter, who was a great leader in his own right, Peter was the one who was preaching about the gospel message. He was the one where thousands of people were saved. He stood up and he said this, brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. He said God knows people's hearts and, can, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their heart, listen, through faith. Through faith. So why then? Why then are are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? And friends, here is the solidifying doctrine, the solidifying gospel, the only way to God. He says this, It's underlined there. It says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace alone, through faith alone, are we made right in Jesus' eyes. It is Jesus plus nothing. You see, friends, there are a lot of people who have distorted this message. It didn't just stop with the Judaizers. There are faiths. Even now, today, that say it's Jesus plus something. It's grace after all that you can do. And what Paul was saying is there is nothing of intrinsic value in us. In fact, if you go to uh, Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, even our greatest deeds, apart from Jesus, are sin-filled stained. We are like filthy rags, the Bible says. And so here you have these these Judaizers who are saying it's all about this, and Paul is saying, listen, I'm going to remind you, Not only did God give us this message, but let's look at what he said in Isaiah, that even our best works are like filthy rags before God. But you see, he loves us so much that he made a way for those rags, those deeds, those sin-filled things that we have to be made white as snow through the washing and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you see, friends, it's all about Jesus and nothing else. The Bible says that if we add to that, If we're like the Judaizers and we add to that, the Bible says that we are cursed. (laughs) So, very clearly, Paul said this is a to-die-for issue. This is the truth that came from God our Father. This is in God's word for us to read today, that salvation comes through Jesus and nothing else. That is the doctrine of our church. And so, thankfully, Paul did whatever it took to, to maintain the integrity of that message. And so from that point on, maybe, uh, you know, it, was it all just easy for them? Absolutely not. It, it was difficult for them. In fact, that leads us to our, our next point because I, I think for many of us, this idea of the gospel of grace is like a big leap, right? It's, it's this, uh, you know, this, this thought of like, I don't have to do anything. Like, doesn't God deserve my best, right? And And here you have these the gospel being a big leap for the Jewish disciples who had grown up in this system, this way. And I believe that it was even difficult for Paul. So even though Paul had a life-changing, miraculous event that completely reshifted his shape, uh, the, the way he was shaped and formed, I, I can guarantee you it would have been hard for him. To be stuck battling between, hey, this was the way that I was raised. You know, this is what I was doing. Listen to what Paul says about himself in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. He said, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Paul's saying, that's me. It's me to a core. He goes on to say, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. But here's here's what happened when he experienced Jesus Christ. He said, I once thought that those things were valuable, but now I consider all of them worthless because of what Christ has done. Don't you think for a moment that it wasn't difficult for these these new church leaders that Jesus had said to them, there's a new way, and that way is through me, that they weren't stuck in their traditions and their standards, that they weren't, uh, you know, feeling that they had to do a certain way because that's all that they had known, and that's all that they had done. And, you know, I think for many of us, it's difficult for us too. You know, maybe you were raised in a, in a culture where you had to, to cross off the boxes or all of the do's and don'ts that if you didn't do it, uh, do it right or if you didn't do enough that you could never be made right in God's eyes. That it was always this, this weight that you had to carry upon your shoulders, that you had to follow all of these things and you still didn't feel worthy enough. Well, Paul was saying, listen, it doesn't matter what we do, we will never be worthy Because of our sin, we stand before a sinless, holy, righteous, mighty God. And because of our sin, we are separated from him eternally. But God loved us so much that he took our sin, the weight of our sin, the weight of the law, the weight of all those things, and he put it upon his shoulders, and he was murdered on a cross. The Bible said because of that, he fixes the chasm because of what Jesus did. Nothing that I could do was all what Jesus had done. Salvation is Jesus plus nothing. And so what about these Judaizers then are are saying, so what is the law bad then? Well, I don't believe that the law is bad. In fact, I believe that God gave us the law uh, to to guide us, to direct us, to reveal our sin, to show us uh, where we fall short in the standard of God. But here's what we need to understand. The law is not what saves us. The law is not what saves us. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's putting our faith in him. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. Death. And Jesus, he took upon that payment upon him on the cross so that it could be paid in full. So one day we can stand before God and he can say, welcome into heaven if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he defeated death. If we lay our sins at his feet, the Bible says we are, we are saved. Jesus plus nothing so Paul addresses this, and I love how he does this. Three times he reminds them in verse 16, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. He says this, almost to to solidify it once and for all. for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. The law is just a guide. The only way that we are made right is through our faith in Jesus Christ. Wherever you are at in your spiritual journey today, friend, would you please understand that the most important decision that we make is what we believe about Jesus Christ. It's what we believe about him. The Bible says that if we put our faith in him, in him alone, that we are saved. We are saved for eternity. And then the overflow of that then is God depositing himself into us uh, with the Holy Spirit The same spirit that that empowered Peter, that empowered Paul, the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from death to life now then lives inside of us. And the fruit of that is then we can live in a way that honors God. You see, faith alone then spurs us on through the deposit of the Holy Spirit to then regenerate our lives so that we can live to honor him. See, it's not the other way around. You see, this is what Paul was saying and we're going to talk more about that in, in uh, Galatians 5 and 6, freedom of life in the Spirit and what that means for us. So I encourage you to come back. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into our last point today and, and talk about that last meeting that we referenced at the beginning of the message and you see that the first meeting was in front of church leadership and Paul saying this is how important but now what we're going to see is that as Paul is going back into Antioch or the region of Galatia he then has a personal meeting with Peter. Peter the same one who was spreading the gospel and he had a meeting with him because Peter wasn't standing up for the true gospel message. In fact he was living basically two lives. Listen to what it says in Galatians Chapter 2, when Paul confronts Peter, he says, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. And so here we, we see that, 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 he, that Peter was, hey, this is for everybody. This message is now for Jew and Gentile. And, and you see, the, the, the yoke and the burden of following the law, you don't have to do that anymore. Come and eat with me as friends, as family members, and then it says what happens very quickly is uh, afterwards, when some of some friends of James came, some of these Judaizers that were infiltrating the church, it says Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity. Of circumcision, You see, what, what was happening was when he was with the Gentiles, he was saying, yes, this is the message. This is the right way. Well, When someone came around and was seeing that, he was like, well, I, I better not do that because I don't want them to, to not like me. Right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to rock the boat with them. And so I'm going to be one way with these people, and I'm going to be one way with these people. And if you read in, in Galatians chapter 2, what was happening is that was dividing the church and people were leaving the church because of these differenti- differentiating opinions. And you know what? what is, what's so crazy to me is that, the, that Peter, you know, Peter, this was, this was one of Jesus' closest followers who had given him the message to, to go out. And this was Peter, the same guy who was empowered by the Holy Spirit and who was telling people about Jesus And you know what? God didn't just stop there. He actually revealed himself. You may know the story in Acts chapter 10. I've got it here. Peter is, he's having this dream and and this vision happens. And this vision is this sheet lowering down with with animals and birds and reptiles and and a voice from heaven. The voice of God says, Peter, go ahead and and kill these animals and eat them. And, And we see Peter say, well, no, Lord. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But listen, the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And not only did he say it once, but he said it two times, and he said it a third time. He said, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. It says, Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. You see, God revealed himself to Peter, I believe, because he knew he was going to be here And Paul was saying, listen, Peter, remember the message and the way that you're living your life hypocritically is pushing people away from the truth. He said, listen, we've got to come in unity. We've got to understand that this is the message. And despite God God revealing himself to Peter, he was one foot in and one foot out. He was one foot in this camp and one foot in that camp, and it was pushing people away. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate to Peter here, I think. I mean, I think for me in my life, there have been things that I have maybe said, but have done something differently. You know, there have been maybe situations where I have people in my life that are living a certain way when I know that they're Christ followers and they're not living the right way, and I don't really want to rock the boat. I myself have lived in in sin, (laughs) who have said one thing and done the other that didn't line up with the standards of God. And and, you know, I I can relate to Peter here. This would have been difficult, but here's the thing. Jesus deserves more from Peter. Jesus deserves more from me. Jesus deserves better from us. And what he was saying, Paul was saying is, listen, we have to understand that this is a to-die-for doctrine, and we cannot live one way and act the other. We have got to understand the importance that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. And anybody else who adds to that, anybody else who changes that, who shifts that, who adds works to that equation, the Bible says that they are cursed. Cursed. It's through Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. Paul finishes chapter 2 with this very important statement. And this is really just the, the, the finalizing, the stamp of this. He says this in verse 21, and I love this. He says, I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. You know what he's saying right there? He's not just saying, well, I can go now live and do whatever I want. I can live in sin. I can do all of this stuff, and I'm just going to live in grace, and I'm going to do whatever I want. No, what he's saying is there is power, and there's meaning behind the message of grace, but he also says, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no reason for Jesus to die, and so what he was saying is that this is a This is a to-die-for issue. And if it was just about the law and obeying the law, then Jesus didn't have to do what he did. God didn't have to send Jesus to come and to die. A horrific, excruciating, embarrassing death, a death that was reserved for sinners, a death that was reserved for you and for me. You see, Jesus, who stepped down from heaven, he, he took on humanity. Emmanuel, God with us, left the comfort of heaven. And he came to this earth and he took sin. He was, he was without sin he took our sin upon him so that we could be in relationship with him. Nothing we could do, friends. Nothing we could do. And so my hope for you is that you would see that this message, Jesus plus nothing, it's the doctrine of our church. It's a to-die-for issue. This is the importance, the integrity of the gospel depends on Jesus alone. Nothing else. Nothing else. In fact, Paul did die for his, this message. And so did Peter. He died for it. It was a to die for issue. Because of, of Paul's willingness to stand, it, it, his willingness to have a, a difficult conversation with a friend, to speak the truth in love and to call him out for living a different way. Because he was able to stand in front of the church leadership and remind them of what God had said, to, to dig in and say, listen, this is our faith. Because of that, We have the gospel message. You know, I I think as we close, I think oftentimes we look at this and we say, wow, Paul, right? We elevate man. Look at what Paul did. All of these things, he left this way and now he's living this way and, and man, he, he saved the gospel message and he wrote half the New Testament. Paul's an amazing, we, we put our view on a man. But here's what I want you to understand. It is all about God and it is all by the hand of God. In Ephesians chapter one, it says, before the foundation of the world, God had the gospel prepared for us. Before we were even alive, he knew that we would sin and because of that, he made a way that we could be in relationship with him. You see, Paul, he, or God used Paul a legalistic Jew of all people to stand in the front of the Judaizers and say, listen, I believe or I have believed, what you believe and it is wrong. You see, he used people like Peter and he uses people like us to advance the kingdom, to advance the message of the gospel, which is it's all about Jesus Christ and nothing else. Thank you, God. And so here's, here's what I want to end with today. If God was at work before the foundation of the world for you and for me, to be saved and to be made right with him despite our sin, our going our own way, if God would do everything that he could to to sustain the integrity message of the gospel by using a legalistic Jew like Paul and, and, and broken people, does he not deserve our love and our unmerited devotion and obedience? My hope for you is that you would say yes. Yes, he does. Christ follower in this room, this message is what changed our life And this message should be the the message that we give everywhere we go. That it would change the way we live. It would change the way we we, fathers that we lead our kids. That it would change the way that we are at work. That it would change the way that we are with our neighbor. (laughs) That it would change us. That the gospel would bleed out from us from the inside out. through The power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, maybe you've been working your way. Maybe you've you've had the demands of legalism. You've had the demands of all of these things. God wants you to know there's nothing that you can do except for accept him. Maybe you're on the other side of that, that, that you've been living in sin. That you have sin, uh, that, that, that there's a sin problem that you have, and, and maybe it's that you're unrepentant. Maybe today it's your opportunity to say, you know what? God, I lay down my sin at your feet. Eternal destiny. The Bible says that if I do that, and I make you Lord of my life, that my eternal, my eternal destiny is secure. Wherever you're at, would it change your life today? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Thank you that you, God, did everything that you could so that we could be in relationship with you. And God, may we never forget the message, this message, that a relationship with you comes through our faith and your grace and nothing else. And God, may that not lead us into living however we want, to living in sin, to to, to be asking for forgiveness. Instead, God, would that change us from the inside out? May we live our life to honor you in everything that we do, God. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. Speak to us again today as we even leave here. Father, about your goodness and about your grace. In your name we pray, amen.